With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yes, yes, today, yes, yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause. Throughout the stadium, as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. They're looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need? Uh, CPR or something, and then at that particular time, I lost it. Devon dropped. Yes, yes, yes. Today, Lord, one mic. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about their training staff. Lord, Yes, yes. Today. You know, as we start this show, this one mic. This is one mic with D. Wilson. That was our dog, Cocaine. He's a junkyard dog. He guards when people come with some craziness. And today, we have some craziness in Columbus. And we, 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 we just got reinforced that it's all about the money. It's all about the more money. When you talk about Urban Meyer, it's only three games today. Welcome to RSG One Mike. You know, I know we've been away, but you know we're back strong with this. And we got a lot to talk about, talk about because they got some explaining to do down there in that place down south. But before we do that, you know I got to go to my man who I got to the screen in the pick and roll. You know, we, 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 we come with that Stockton Malone type kind of pick and roll and scream. You know, Joe Dumars and, and Lamb Beer or Zeke and Lamb Beer or, you know, any kind of famous screen and roll, pop and pick and pop, we do that. And my man who, who catches it or shoots to the rim is my man, Hank. What's up, Hank? How you doing? Hey, man, we're back. You know, it's been a heck of a uh, long summer for both of us, man. You know, um, I'm glad to be back on the air just tonight. We got a whole lot to, of crazy to talk about, but I'm going to tell you right now, and you heard it here right now, this is a witch hunt. There was no collusion. <laughs> Man, it's like, I'm telling you right now, people in the media space, whether it's sports or politics, man, there's, 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 there's Pulitzer Prize winners 
a, a glory coming up all over this stories to be written, things to be unpacked, and nothing bigger than uh, this story that's come out of Columbus. And, you know, we're going to get into that, you know, as we, we kind of get into the show. But, you know, we've kind of been running around in the summer and everything else. You know, Hank, I want you know, uh, you know, what, what, what have you been thinking about over the summer, man? you got the baseball going on. A lot of stuff is developing and everything else. Like, how's your summer been uh, thinking about it? And give us some insight into the baseball. You know, Hank does uh, Inside the Park for us. It's our, our show focused on baseball gets beyond the analytics. He tries to bring the heart and the story back into baseball. And uh, Hank does that very well for us, and our, along with our RSG Big Show with, uh, uh, with my man Phil T., and, and with uh, uh, Marcus Game Changer, uh, when we get into real issues. And so we got a number of things. So if you haven't had a chance to check us out, you know, uh, hit us up uh, at uh, Real Sports Guys. You can go to blog and search for Real Sports Guys. Run iTunes, just go Real Sports Guys, and, and you'll see the, the orange mic come up. And uh, you, can, you can subscribe to it on, on most platforms and, and listen to us. But what was your summer like, man? What were you thinking about? You know what were some of the highlights that you happened? Let me tell you, man, you know, as you and I both know, you know, sometimes real life happens even to, even to the real sports guys. And, you know, um, for me, there was, there was no exception. You know, I had some, some issues uh, dealing with my mother. She's in, she's in good health now, but I can tell the, our listeners that that had really had, that was touch and go there for a little bit mm-hmm. uh, for the early part of the summer that kind of t- kept, t- kept a lot of my time. And I know you yourself had some issues going yep. on in your in your personal life. But I will say that, you know, you just you, you chop at the bit when you know that what courses through your through your veins is just, you know, what's going on in the sports world when I look up, man, and your 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 summer starts off uh with uh the Warriors absolutely destroying uh Cleveland and then LeBron James, now we know what the LA stands for at the beginning of his game of his name. Now, he's now with the Lakers. But, man, my passion, that baseball, man, it's been crazy this summer, you know, not to yes. be able to have, have time to really break down what we're seeing. But that superhero rivalry that was going on in the American League East, and I did speak to that earlier in the year about to watch out for that throughout the entire summer between um, the, the Yankees and the Red Sox. And the Red Sox kind of start to flex their muscles, now they're trying to show everybody they're human a little bit. But talking about baseball just real quick, just what's going on in the American League West, and here come the upstart A's. I don't think anybody's seen that coming, and that they're pushing the defending champs, the Astros, you know. But just that going on, you, you see what's been happening with, with the NFL that's coming back and all of the controversy that's going on, you know, off the field. They're, they're trying to do this helmet-to-helmet thing, and they can't get it right. They call themselves fixing the, the catch rule. I don't know what's going on with the NFL. Then you then you got this ridiculous uh, rule change with the national anthem that that they 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 just don't get it, you know. Then when you think you're safe and you're starting to really sniff the ground, and here comes college football. Lo and behold, we got the foolishness that's going on with the coaches in the Big Ten. I know we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about Urban Meyer, but even the tragedy that happened in the University of Maryland with the young defensive lineman there, and then the toxic was considered a toxic. Uh, environment over there in Maryland, you know, with our boy here, DJ Durkin, that we got for our defensive coordinator here in Ann Arbor for a little bit. So just a lot, man, when you say that, you know, but you know, that, that that real life, you know, that, that art, what they say, imitates life, life, 
it's unfortunate a little bit that that's kind of then permeated itself so much into the sports world. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things where we are um, clearly getting a sense of, you know, what are our priorities, right? It, it um, uh, you know, you and I have a, a, a love for uh, for sport. We um, um, are the kind of people who enjoy, we'll talk about it all day. Um, but there is this moment where you have to think about, you know, have have people lost their mind? And, um, you know, we are, you know, we're getting to a point where, you know, we got to make some clear judgments. It's it's like we we criticize so much that's happening in politics. Is truth really true? And, you know, you know, as a number of people said on the airwaves, uh, I got to give Michelle uh, uh, Beatles some credit. She's like, do we ever call anything a lie anymore? I mean, that's a great point. It's like we, we have found new ways to say he lied. Or she lied, you know, and it's it's one of those things where, you know, it all comes down to values. And when we're talking about, you know, we always want to uh, have the person in the field, whether it's the NBA athlete, the NFL athlete, or the college athlete, um, have to. We talk about how they have to, you know, um, re, uh, support the integrity of the game. That's always we hear fans talk about everything else. But when it comes to, it comes to the people who are around the game, including the coaches, we change that definition and we, we find outs and we make excuses for things we never uh, allow for the people who are actually in between the lines. And it's just mm-hmm. crazy how inconsistent it is and uh, where it says we have placed our energy uh, in our value system, whether or not we still have one uh, or, or not. And so we saw all that on display this summer from, you know, the president, you know, uh, making disparaging remarks about LeBron and then even the first lady had to come out and defend, you know, it it tells you that sports is, is that space that is a lightning rod. It it, in some ways reflects um, where we are in society in terms of how we're able to deal with these issues. And so we, we've had a chance to see all that uh, this summer and, you know, you know, us, you know, we, we, the kind of guys, you know the real sports guys, where you know that's what we get. Look, we get, we get, we get, we start to get lathered up. We like offensive linemen who who don't have uh, ten running plays called. You know, <laughs> we we lathered up now, so that means you know we're gonna be in the trenches and we got stuff to say. And so you write in our line, and you better you better know uh, we gonna say something about it uh, uh, when it's time for us to speak up on it. So we are gonna get into a lot of this uh, uh, today, and um, we're gonna um, you know. Take on a number of these uh, a number of these issues, but you know, uh, you know, we're in the open mic, and in the open mic, this is where if you if, you, if this is your first time listening to one mic, you know, we usually have a topic that we'll get deeper in and will occupy most of the podcast. And and if you really want to hear us talk about you know what's happening in Ohio State, uh, that's going to be happening in the cipher here uh, in a few minutes. But in the in, in our in our open mic, we freestyle a little bit. We try to catch up on some of the things that have been happening in sports. And I've just been fascinated. Uh, if you can go back and check our catalog out, we had a lot of discussion around the draft um, and really centered on these quarterbacks. There's a lot of debate. I was clearly in the Baker, May, uh, in the Baker field, uh, Mayfield uh, corner. I had argued. Everybody had to come up with all the dimensions. I was personally arguing, like, why I thought this kid, you know, it, it was a couple, there's been a couple of quarterbacks over the years 
But I just feel like, am I seeing something different than everybody else? Deshaun Watson was one of those. When, when Deshaun was there, I'm like, he's the best quarterback in the group. And I said, all you had to do is watch the two Alabama games. You, had, you talk about how great Alabama is, how great their defense is. They were a pro-style defense. They had all that time to prep, and they could not stop Deshaun Watson. And he was carving them up. And, and then he goes to the league, you know, Barney, he puts it together. I felt that way about Baker Mayfield. You could see this is a kid who knows how to play quarterback. And we're starting to see him perform, but yet he's in a, in a situation with Tyrod, not Tyrod, he told Tyrod. And it's, it's crazy when people's names, People talk about names. Well, if he tells you it's Tarad, it's Tarad, don't tell him how it is. I saw people debating, well, I'm not sure. If it, well, if he's telling you that's what he want to be called, that's what he, so I'm going to call him Tarad until he tells me to call him something different. And so right. and if I'm going to call him Tarad, I'm going to call him Tarad. So, uh, but watching how he played, and I felt like he was a great quarterback coming out, but he was just in a bad situation in Buffalo. And, and people's judgment of how good he can be is ridiculous because they're not looking at it in context. Buffalo didn't really have great offensive minds and schemes and everything. So, but he still found a way to perform and keep them relevant, even when the, the teaching and coaching around him wasn't great. He's in a better situation. Hugh Jackson, for all we, everybody knows he's a great offensive mind. And then you add in uh, 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 Todd Haley, who is, you know, Todd is abrasive a, 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 a and everything else, but he's a great coordinator. He knows how to develop plays. He knows how to uh, put together a scheme. And so – he, he's doing well, and then you got Baker. So we want to talk – I want to get into that at some point and talk about – but then we got over in the Jets. You know, we got – we got, we got, we got, we got uh, uh, a whole set of, of issues. Yeah. We got, like, three quarterbacks. We got three quarterbacks over there, and, 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 and one's kind of injured, but we got three quarterbacks over there. They're trying to figure out what's going on out there. Then out in Arizona, we got Josh Rosen. So there's a number of things – uh, happening in the league about this, and there's always this age-old age kind of question around uh, should somebody sit or start? What's the best way to develop a young quarterback? And uh, and so I want to spend a little bit of time, you know, maybe talking a little bit about, uh, you know, and get your opinion a little bit, Hank, on who should sit or, or start. Let's start with the number one pick. Let's give, let's give him the, his due because nobody else wants to give him his due. And when they took up number one, people still criticized him, trying to compare him to Johnny Manziel, even though he wasn't Johnny. He was nowhere close to being that uh, kind of Johnny Manziel. But but what's happened in Cleveland? How would you approach that situation in Cleveland? Well, you know what? The thing is, is that the, what you see with Baker Mayfield is he's, he's, he's still impressive. He's still Baker Mayfield. You know, he's got the swagger. Um, I think the one thing that Baker Mayfield, and, and they make the comparisons to Johnny Manziel, is because of the personality, because, uh, you know, what you see on the field, just that 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 fearless gameplay. But the difference between Johnny Manziel and what I would call a Baker Mayfield, and yeah, Baker Mayfield has got that, that – uh, that, that that crazy personality too, that wild personality. But I think he's a lot smarter. I think he handles himself better than Johnny Manziel did. Um, he came in and he looks good. Okay, clearly don't have the uh, experience of Terod Taylor. Um, but the question I was I would ask, you know, you know Hugh Jackson and the and, and the Cleveland Browns is, what is your what is, what is your focus for this year? If your focus for this year 
is like obviously is to win a ball game. But are you are you going to take this entire season and 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 use it to uh, get prepared? Now I think that once they get to the bye week, the Cleveland Browns get to the bye week. Um, if they're not in playoff contention, or dare I say even earlier, if they're not in playoff contention, uh, start off slowly like they did last year. I think you're going to see uh, Baker Mayfield early. I think the, the the fans of Cleveland wants to see Baker Mayfield. That's no knock on Terod Taylor. But I think they want to see Baker Mayfield. It's, you know, I think what the Cleveland Browns have done, I think they've tried to, you know, I, I'm, I'm 1D. I, I still scratch my head as to how you allow Hugh Jackson to uh, coach your team after not winning a game last year. I, I question that, um, what what kind of leash are you going to give him? All right, and, and what direction are you really going with that team? That's, that's, that's to me, is just an in in, in internal issue. I just understand how they did that. But that being said, I think that Baker Mayfield, you'll see him, in my opinion, you'll either see him in game four, or you'll see him in game eight or nine. If you see him in game four, that means Cleveland's not winning. If you see him in game eight or nine or something like that, that means that they they contended for a little bit and fell off. It really do depend on uh, what, what what goes on there. Uh, they they've given all of the majority of snaps uh, snaps to the veteran uh, Taylor. So, but I think that you're going to see, in my opinion, you're going to see the uh, Mayfield era start sooner rather than later. So I have a different opinion on that. And, and, again, it's because – and I've been looking at this for a long time um, because I, I still – one of I start with this premise. It's hard to evaluate quarterbacks truly because it is the, poor, most, the poorly developed position in an NFL. It is. Folks are just not good at developing young quarterbacks. And, um, but there are a certain group of people, when you see them put together, they do a good job consistently. If North Turner is your coordinator, you got a young quarterback, I feel you good. Is he your head coach? It could be problems. But as your offensive coordinator, if Norv is helping shape that offense, you, he's going to do things to put that young quarterback in a position to make plays. There are certain people you can count on. There are other things. And, so I, and I have a different opinion about Heath Jackson because of – um, organizational natures that cause you to fail when you're trying to get culture. And I, I believe Hugh Jackson has the ability to be a great coach. And I think part of uh, Cleveland's problem is they need to develop a nucleus of people who can just fight through this stuff together. As long as your coach and your GM, Dorsey and those guys, are together and linked, I think they can build something. The other thing I think is great about that is missed about Cleveland last year is that um, the, the the components they had developed on defense were hurt. So Garrett, you know, their their, their, their number one draft pick didn't play a lot of the season. The strength of Cleveland this year, and this is why I say you go with Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod, excuse me, Tyrod Taylor, is that I believe because of their 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 uh, their defensive coordinator, they they got your boy Greg at the coordinator spot, is that. I believe they got a top ten defense when all those players are playing. I think the the strongest part of their team right out the gate right now will be their defense, and That's I think it. they're ready to play. I think they're going to be good. Um, you got Peppers. You got you got you got uh, they got a great linebacker court, and I think what's going to show up early if they can keep their their pass rushers healthy 
is that their defense is going to carry. And when you got something like that, then Taylor is actually a great quarterback to have. He's not going to make no mistakes. I don't call him a game manager, but you need a cat like that who's going to keep everybody calm and mature. Now, I'm not saying Baker's not like that, but then you could take what I say, you could you, you could kind of take uh, 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 the, the the approach that, that 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 folks took in Green Bay, and so you can kind of bring him along, and he can start to develop his practice habits and get stuff. Because one of the interesting things about uh, watching Hard Knocks, which I think is different about Baker, again, he's coachable. Right. <laughs> he was talking about like, what time do you get in the morning? What time do you get here in the morning? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he started talking through it. And he was, like, kind of letting them know that, you know, what time did the Tarai get here? Well, he gets here kind of like 5.30. What time you see? And, and then next thing you know, he's getting there early, studying, right. developing habits, doing that. So I think when you got when you got that kind of even thing and you got a great defense, if they don't have a great defense, I think they got a makings of a great defense. If they have a makings of a great defense, and I think they don't have a decent running game um, as well, and they got good receivers, I think they're going to cause people problems. And it'll allow for Baker to develop. Not that he doesn't need to develop, but I think Taylor at this point would give them a chance to make to get to nine and seven. And I'm saying this with my Steelers in there. I think they're going to they're going to supplant uh, Cleveland. Will can supplant uh, Cincinnati. You know, I think they can be competitive of that, and they can really be balanced. I think that division might have two or three teams fighting for playoffs in the AFC. You know, they could probably yeah. fight for a wild card spot. And so I think. I think I think, and then through that, you also building an opportunity to be able to even trade Taylor. The problem with Taylor is he's one of these quarterbacks who, who I believe is good, but he just never get that love. You know, he kind of got the Alex Smith thing going for him. Even though his numbers, right. everything show that you know, given what he got around him, he's performing. People kind of think they're gonna date and get somebody better. In this case, Baker is the real deal. But I think you can get away with kind of using. To ride to get to your culture, and the interesting thing about it, um, when they want they want running, you in a hard knocks. Taylor was like, you should circle every time on film, like you should highlight it every time somebody not running is gonna get them to run. And then Hugh Jackson went, uh, they went, you know, they went into the film session and was identifying the cats who wasn't running. It, he was showing that leadership, that kind of way how you build the culture. And I think Baker has so much respect for him that there's some things he's going to learn from that. So that's what I, I would say. And the only reason why I'm banking on this is I just think their defense is going to be good. I think their defense mm-hmm. is going to be a top-ten defense. And if they are, then I, you, can go with, you can go with Taylor. I agree. I, I, again, I think you're going to stick with the veteran, provided that they are competing and winning football games. I, and I think it's foolhardy you right. think that you start a rookie uh, if you feel like you've got a, ch- a chance to compete, um, it, it, it would behoove Cleveland, you know, to be that team to to make that that dramatic turnaround. Uh, and, and you you pull for them, you know. Being a Lions fan all these years, you don't want to have back to back seasons where you're, there's just nothing to hang your hat on. In Cleveland, that is that is different. You do you do see the future with Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. You do see a lot of young talent on that team. Uh, to me, though, I'm sorry the jury is out on Hugh Jackson, okay? I, I know that we can say what yeah, we want. That, that was an 0-16 team, which I don't yeah. think that was that markedly untalented last year. So uh, we, the, so the jury, for me, the jury is still out on him. Yeah, I, I think I, 
I've watched him. I think he got potential with the right GM. You know, um, and and um, I love the way he connects with his players. But you're right. You just you know your numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. The most interesting competition for me is Sam Darnold. Now I said, look, yeah, everybody was saying Sam Darnold is better than Baker. I'm like, look, when you look at those numbers, and a lot of this is that he didn't just he didn't play quarterback that long. He played one year in high school, but one and a half years maybe in college. But he was interception prone, bad decisions. A lot of that comes just because he didn't have that many reps compared to someone like Baker who kind of played probably a quarterback all through high school and played, you know, it just played, you know, four years almost, you know, football. You know, he, he was interception prone. So, and then you got Teddy Bridgewater and then you got Josh McCown. And Teddy Bridgewater, another quarterback, they were talking about his hands too small. I always had to bring the tape up. And I'm like, what are these people talking about? He goes into Minnesota, rips it up, gets hurt. But this guy is still, I think, big-time potential, and he's looking good after recovering. You seeing what's happening in, in New York. What's your, what's your opinion on that? Here's the thing. Sam Darnold has surprised me, okay, this, this uh, preseason. Um, I was one, I was right with you, okay, his resume coming out of SC. Uh, he was supposed to have been the next Heisman Trophy winner, but he made too many mistakes, and, and he looked like he was a little foggy between the ears. Um, but then you look at uh, Teddy Bridgewater, whose only failing is a debilitating injury. Uh, he was getting it done in Minnesota. People fail to realize that. He was getting it done, and then he had that injury. You know, and then you go with, with, with Josh McCown. To me, this is, this is a toss-up. To me, you, you know, my, my, my sentiment goes towards Teddy. You know, I think that if he's a healthy, if he's truly healthy, that's your quarterback in New York, okay? He's got all the intangibles provided that he's healthy. And then McCown, you know, it remains to be seen with him, okay? I, th- I think he's on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the roster in case Teddy is, gets hurt, stays that way. And then there's Sam Darnold. I would be very surprised if Sam Darnold is your starter, okay? I think he's had a very, again, I think he's had a very good preseason, but he's still a rookie, okay? And live bullets ain't really being shot at him yet. I look for. I, I truly believe that the um, the competition should be between McCown and Bridgewater. And again, with Teddy Bridgewater, it it truly is. You know what is what is what is truly his health? Is that knee truly one hundred um, one hundred percent? But you know, but they they're saying we'll we'll see. Yeah, I would you. I would go with Teddy Bridgewater because he gives you the chance to be just. A big time start, especially when you're you're a coach. And you, look, brothers, you don't get too many chances. <laughs> right. I'm gonna ride and die with the cat who got the most talent right now. And Teddy got the most talent. If he stumbles, you got McCown, kind of like McCown's like your big time reliever. He's like the cat you can better the bullpen, and you ain't got to give him that much preparation time. He can come in and do it. So let's say Teddy gets hurt, you can bring McCown. He's long in, relief. He can go there. Long relief. And then yep. what you do is around late October, November, depending on where you are record-wise, you know, and Donald's got enough reps, he's going, then you might stick him in depending on where you are. But you know he's going to be your starter coming in next year. You already know that. And right. you, can, you, can, you can let him watch and learn because he just ain't played enough football in college or high school. He's a little bit different. And – and Teddy is a star. And if you want to trade Teddy, 
he's gonna put up enough numbers that he might he might get you a second round pick. He might get you something that you can do. But if you know they've got to try to make a run to the playoffs, or half the coaches not gonna be there next year. And I ain't got time to right. be doing that with Donald. You know, you know, uh, if I got a good enough running game, I, I got I got to go. With, I got to go with that. Let's move on real quick to uh, Josh Allen. This is the most interesting. So they bring A.J. McCarron, and they really want A.J. Uh, to play. And A.J. gets hurt, right? So is, now uh, is A.J. out for a while? Or did he get – because A.J. got hurt, and then you got on the Nathan uh, Peterman. That's the cat who threw like four interceptions. In the and you got Josh Allen, who was kind of the roughest cat. And Buffalo's in a really interesting time. So they almost got, in my mind, they almost got to go with Josh Allen because uh, Nathan Peterman is letting the speed. I mean, you might as well go to young boy. And so right. if AJ was there, I would start AJ. Um, just the, the way I might go. But how are you looking at this situation? Well, if you recall, last time we talked about these quarterbacks, I told you that he was the biggest bust out the group. Okay. I was not sold on Josh Allen. You know, they, they, they said he had all these tools in Wyoming. He couldn't get it done in Wyoming. Every time I saw him, he had me, he had me scratching my head, and I'm bald-headed. So that tells you how I felt about Josh Allen going in here. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, A.J. McCarron, all of a sudden, he miraculously is healed. He did not break his collarbone, and he's going to come back okay. to practice. Okay, that's right. I saw that report. There you go. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, they, they're, they're reporting now that he didn't break his collarbone. And they, 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 he, but he sustained a hairline fracture of it. But he, he's, he's back, and he's gonna, he's gonna play, which I think is good. I think that Josh Allen yeah. needs as much time as necessary of the quarterbacks we're going to talk about. You know, when you're looking at the rest of these quarterbacks, you know, save maybe a Lamar Jackson who's a year away from being a year away. You know, in my opinion. But um, yeah. I just, I, you know, of all the quarterbacks that was highly touted to be pro ready. He's one that I just didn't see what the scouts saw. So, you know, if he's playing uh, anytime, then there is an injury that, that they cannot overcome or the Bills are totally out of it. Uh, he's not a quarterback, in my opinion, that can play himself into being a good quarterback. He's going to need time. So um, I, I haven't seen it at the collegiate level, and, and I really haven't seen anything that made me say maybe I was wrong about this kid in the preseason. And what's, what's interesting, I think A.J. McCarron is a lot like uh, Terod in a sense. Like, I think this is a guy with a little bit of talent, just got to be in the right situation. What's scary about this is he could make a lot of plays and could do a situation where it's like, because um, he's young. It's, it's, not a, it's not a guy who's too old. He's got to right. go. And so if he shows some promise, this could be an interesting situation where, you know, maybe this is a kid who ends up sitting for a while. Um, and, um, and and then you know maybe plays in two years if you got AJ putting you in the right direction, right? Because um, they got to start winning up in Buffalo. They got to start right. keeping that momentum going. And McCarron's young enough if he can demonstrate some stuff, it may allow you to have Allen on the shelf a little bit so he can grow as a quarterback. So that could be an interesting dynamic depending on how McCarron plays. You know, if he does some of the things, he shows a lot of promise. When he had a chance to play, he shows some promise. And um, he was a highly talented cat coming out of college too. So he's not a he's not, you know, someone without uh, without talent, right? So right. that's that's it's gonna be interesting how they manage that 
given how far, like you said, Allen has to go. Um, right. The kid I like, he's cracking me up, man. He's just coming off the bench walking like something like a dog is uh, Josh Rosen. Right. And uh, he um, – he is. He's got uh, interesting. You know, there's some interesting kind of stuff coming out about just how 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 much he's he's interested. He asks a lot of questions. He's trying to learn. He's really trying to make things happen. You know, he's talented, um, and you know, people are trying to question how much he really, um, you know, loves football. But you know, he no one's questioning his skill and his intelligence, and he's demonstrating that. You know, he's. He's doing both, so that's that's a that's an interesting kind of person uh, role. Where would you go with Josh? I think Josh Rosen of the quarterbacks that we've discussed, in my opinion, is probably the most pro ready. Okay, if you remember Josh Rosen in UCLA, they actually started him as a true freshman. All right, in in, in uh, UCLA, and he had a pro coach. Okay, he had Jim Moore Jr. was his coach while he was at UCLA. So. He got a lot of professional tutelage while he was there. Plus, he had the talent, he had the arm, he had the savvy, he had the swagger. If you don't, if you don't think so, go back to the game from last year in which they played Texas A&M. He was lighting the A&M secondary up. Okay, um, and I think that of all the quarterbacks that's come out this year, I think when you look at the Josh Rosen, that he is more better suited to do like a car, like a, like a Carson Wentz or even Deshaun Watson, and play and start as a rookie. And I think that's what they're going to do with him in Arizona. I think that it just makes sense. That's a quarterback that can grow and learn on the fly and be much better uh, at the end of the year than he is at the beginning. And then you're ready to start to compete going into next season. I don't think he's one that you that, that you need to necessarily sit behind a, a veteran. I think he's the only one of the quarterbacks out there that, that can start on day one and be ready to rock and roll. And and, and we're close. I think, you know, with Lamar Jackson, I think both of us are on probably on the same page. I'll let you talk a little about Lamar. That, you know, he what he's done is lit a fire on the Flacco. You know, I was out at Ravens camp last year um, uh, trying to uh, – you know, and had a chance to, um, you know, eat and watch a little bit. And and it was it's just interesting that he he didn't have a – it didn't feel like – I don't know, I was just wrong. It didn't feel like he had a sense of urgency. A fire has clearly been lit under him when, they, you know, when Lamar came in. And there are times when you need to do this. This was, a to me, a great psychological move. At the same time, you've got a young guy who could be in the future – um, when uh, when Flacco uh, retires or moves on, so you got kind of the best of both worlds here. Um, you know, I don't see Flacco as maybe I don't see Flacco as a person who's probably going to try and mentor him. Uh, he just don't seem like that kind of guy. I could be wrong, but but it's for 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 John Harbaugh, I think it served his purpose. This kid's making enough plays. I don't know how you feel about it. I feel that's the same thing. I, you know, I just look at the two quarterbacks that he put behind uh, Joe Flacco. You know, he's got RG3 over there, too. I don't think you look at both of those quarterbacks right now and say, oh, uh, I'm concerned if I'm Joe Flacco, but I need to get ready because I know these cats are very athletic. Lamar Jackson, um, I think, is eventually going to be a good quarterback in the league, but he's got a lot to learn. 
he's going to have to learn that he can't outrun everybody like he did in the in the in the college game, and do some of those things he did that some of these defensive linemen can run and can and can and can square him up, and he ain't going to take too many of those hits. I watched a little bit of that game they played in Indianapolis uh, this week, and uh, he was trying to outrun a defensive lineman. He couldn't get around him. The dude was on him. So those are the sort of things, the speed of the game, he's got to adjust to. Uh, I think he'll be just fine. I really do. But he, he has enough talent. He has enough intangibles, and that's your right, which is going to push Joe Flacco enough to say, oh, all it's going to take is for you to be this veteran making all this money. If we If we falter, and this young kid comes in over you, you're pretty much done. So you might want to go ahead and make sure you make this the best season that you can make it. Well, when we come back, you listen to RSC One Mike with uh, Hank and Devon. We're taking the conversation to Columbus. <laughs> Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. <laughs> Welcome to the Cypher uh, portion of RC One Mike uh, here with Hank and Devon. You can catch us uh, on uh, uh, on podcast platforms. Just search Real Sports Guys. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, um, uh, YouTube. Um, uh, we got some video uh, podcasts out there. You'll see Hank and I doing that as well as being on the on the blog uh, platform. Uh, the, the many different ways you can engage us, and so um, it, it's been great. We were talking about a number of issues, including our rookie quarterback. But now we're going to turn it to the heart of our cipher here as we we move towards the end of the show. Um, it's all about the money. Urban Meyer only gets three games, and. Um, you know, um, there's been obviously an uproar um, in everywhere but that little island around Columbus or that little place called Ohio, uh, where it's, it's both in the in the news uh, in terms of a political swing and an important state, but also in terms of the, uh, the world of college football. And uh, a lot of this was built on the reaction to not only the decision, but the way in which Coach Meyer conducted himself in in the uh, in the um, uh, the, uh, the the session in terms of uh, uh, the conference uh, when they were doing the uh, revealing uh, what the uh, suspension was going to be. Um, in addition, um, 
Gene Smith gets 17 days off, which is he's probably going to go to, uh, you know, uh, Mexico on vacation. It's probably just his, his uh, shirt money, as much money as he gets paid as AD. Um, so there's, there's a lot of reaction to this um, in terms of uh, what's been happening in Columbus and, and then what goes forward, what's the motivation behind it. There's a lot of things. And so, Hank, I want to just hit you real quick, you know, just kind of your initial reactions to everything uh, that's been happening here in Columbus and, and then in your reaction to what they, what they decided. Well, you know, I, I like a lot of people. When all of this came down and he flat out lied at the Big Ten conference, uh, coaches conference, uh, and uh, the reporter Brett McMurray broke the story that he knew about Zach Smith, his assistant coach, brought him from Florida when he had domestic violence issues, brought him to Ohio State, had an issue in 2015, kept him on staff for three years anyway, after all this stuff, find out later other lewd behavior of this of this coach. They fire him this year, um, you know, just to break it down real quick, and then um, um, Urban Meyer acts stupid like he knows nothing about it. But I felt like everybody else that he wasn't going to lose his job until I heard about the report. And when I heard the report and heard everything that uh, he had covered up, everything he tried to cover up, all the lies that was told, all the – I didn't know you. You are, you know, the the head coach of a of a of a, of a national championship caliber team, major school, and all of a sudden you playing the I don't know nobody told me game. I thought it was appalling that Ohio State themselves came up with that much evidence against their coach and played both prosecutor and defendant of this coach, knowing that they had no intentions at any time of firing him but that the charges against him were so egregious that they had to formulate them in a way that they had to make it sound like, well, he couldn't have known as if as though if they had to litigate it in, in court that there would be reasonable doubt. But there's no reasonable doubt when it comes to the world we live in now, D. We live in the Me Too movement, okay, where women's rights and, and people of color rights have just been violated all across the board. And you would have figured that when we got our young people in these uh, institutions of higher learning, that we would know better, that we would hold ourselves to a better a need. You know, but Ohio State clearly shows, and and, and, you, and for me to come on and, and talk this much about the Buckeyes is saying a lot anyway. But that being said, for them to come on and to to absolutely sell their souls to the devil for a football game and for money, to me, you know, sends the wrong message. It sends the wrong message to this football program, to this institution, that, okay, well, we're going to look the other way because it's all about winning on Saturdays, all right? That in and of itself don't mean a thing because if you're trying to teach young men, what are you really teaching them? And this is the problem that we have right now. You know, I think that they, I think Ohio State uh, pulled a Penn State, in my opinion, and what I mean by that is they looked the other way, and then when it was time for them to get serious, they continued to look the other way. In Penn State's case, we know that this took decades. Now, we don't know how long this has taken outside the last two years or three years with Urban Meyer, but we see how the Penn State situation eventually turned out, and it wasn't good for a legendary coach in Joe Paterno, and I don't think this is going to be very good for this legendary coach in Urban Meyer. I mean, and you just hit this, like, one of the, one of the incredible quotes. Like, this, this is how folks, like, 
side of high stuff in plain sight, they, you're just not going to see it. So mm-hmm. Mary Jo White, who's the lead investigator, this is the quote. While those denials were plainly not accurate, plainly not accurate, Coach Meyer did not, in our view, deliberately lie. You cannot say that those denials were not accurate and then in the same sentence say you don't think he deliberately lied. Like, How can you not deliberately lie? Lying, lying, lying. Huh? Exactly. Here's the problem that I got with that. See, we live in a world today where if you just say lie, that stings like a bee. You know, it cuts like a knife. That pierces you like an arrow. You know, the word lie in and of itself has become so venomous because it tells the truth. Yeah, the word lie tells the truth. That means that you came up with something that absolutely was not true. Okay, now we're using words like misremembered and did not deliberately lie. How can you not deliberately lie? Okay, there is no such thing. Okay, if, you, if, you, if you're lying, it means you don't want to tell the truth. Okay, you're hiding something. So you're making up something to keep from telling the truth. There's no, there's no, oh, I didn't know any better to that. And you're talking about the head coach of one of the major college universities in this country, okay, that's known throughout the land for his meticulousness, for his attention to detail, for all these different things. All of a sudden you get a situation that is really real life, not fantasy, not, not PlayStation, Real life, and all of a sudden, you didn't. I, that that to me insults my intelligence, and I'm surprised that people out there aren't insulted by that themselves. And then she goes on to say, "Just more or less, this is the one that just kills me again." Coach Meyer impressed us with his sincere commitment to the respect for women, uh, core values that he espouses and tries to instill in his players, but at no point in his remarks. Did he ever refer to Courtney Smith? And then when a reporter no, asked him about it, he 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 pulled a trump. He was like, everybody is a whatever, uh, 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 you know. It, it was a difficult thing for everyone. Exactly. Like to me, this is where the hypocrisy begins. And at the end of the day, this was like we can't get in the way of this national championship run. That's what this all came down to. They got a team who could potentially win a national championship. There's a lot of money tied to that, and we're going to do what we need to do. You know, it was explicit. Uh, uh, Smith, uh, they said, texted him, told him to to be upfront about what happened in 2015. I mean, and then this cat deletes all of his history of his text messages, like. This is, we are in a state where everything is free, and, and at the right. same time, we would hold we would. And the kids who gotten caught in these kind of things, they lose the the student athletes get suspended for four games for things right. like this. He get three, and then for two, he get actually gets the coach and doesn't get to be there at the game. So he basically gets to do everything up until game time. So he's not exactly. away at all. Like this, this is. It, it has so many, so much foulness to it. I would just rather you say, just come out like, we ain't doing nothing. And what's crazy, this is why this is getting real complicated. You know, one of the things I talk about is the reason why this is the way it is, is because the faculty have allowed this to happen on these campuses. Mm-hmm. And people have to understand the, the route to provost and chancellor comes through the faculty. These are all former faculty members. Right. And and in this case, the president 
part of the issue they had, uh, according to reports, and why it took so long, is the president was arguing for a longer suspension. Yes, he was on behalf of the faculty, and you had a you had a room full of basically board members slash boosters who are who are trying to avoid any suspension at all. Exactly. Who who and so well, I didn't want to feel that same and, day and, and yesterday. And Meyer, they said Meyer didn't want to take the suspension. Like he he could not see that his role. Like this is if this was a student, and we were a presiding over this. If this was a student that was trying to get back in the university, we were like, you need more time off. And yet we let this cat do what he wants to do. Exactly. And see, the thing about it that drives me crazy about that, D, is that, you know, Urban Meyer pretty much showed the world how he felt yesterday. He did feel like he needed suspension. Like you said, he didn't mention Courtney Smith not once, a reporter brought her name up to him, and yet between him and Gene Smith, they mentioned, they apologized to Buckeye Nation three damn times, okay? A bunch of fans. A bunch of fans. It got nothing to do with this, okay? A young woman has been beaten and battered. You knew about it, okay? Your assistant coach is sitting around taking pictures of his thing and and having sex with a a staffer in, in, in the football building. And you know about it, and you cover it up, okay? That's agree. That's a, that is as egregious as it becomes, as it comes, okay? That is that is a lack of institutional control. You know about that, okay? You don't know nothing. You don't do nothing about it. Oh, and by the way, all this stuff goes down. There's no discipline on Zach Smith at all, and he stays on your football team and coaches your players for another three years. All right. This is the thing that gets me as, as okay, what, what is really going on? All right, I understand, and I'm not naive. I understand the big money that's involved in, in, in a Division One college football, and you're the Ohio State Buckeyes, okay? You're the number four, number five team in the land. That means you are a playoff contender, all right? We're going to have this playoff run. We are not going to lose this money, even if it means doing what's right. And that's the message that Ohio State sent. They became the defendant of this coach, even though his charges were egregious. The school itself was a defendant of itself, okay, of this coach against itself. Isn't that the most confusing thing you've ever heard? And the crazy thing about it was he didn't even appreciate that. Like his no, he didn't. Like, this is the stuff that makes it even worse. They tripping over themselves, and he just like stunting. Like, why am I even here? Like, he not even appreciate the fact that you know what we could be firing you, and he just his, his arrogance rings out so crazy around this stuff. And so part of what I was saying was, does the player do with the players rally around? And you said that you had an interesting take on how the players might look at this given all the stuff, values that Urban Meyer talks about. No, I, here, here, here's what I think. I think that anybody who believes that this is a rallying cry for the Ohio State Buckeye football team, um, it's us against the world, so this is not that type of party, all right? This is not that. This is an egregious act carried out by your coach, covering up egregious acts of one of his coaches, Uh the institution itself covering it up, 
It's out there in black and white. The characters, the actors of this act are still pre- are still present. Okay, when you looked at Penn State, you're talking about it was Joe Paterno and a handful of folks, but everybody else was gone. Okay, all of the um, uh, I think the athletic director, maybe a couple of people resigned because of that. Okay, but here you have it, and it's fresh in everybody's mind. In in a world where the Me Too movement, okay, is very prevalent. Urban Meyer is going to be back on the on the sidelines against Tulane, okay, against Tulane in the horseshoe. There is going to be protest every time they play, all right, because of this. It's going to be very hard for these young men to continue to try to rally around something when they know it's wrong, all right. And 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 and, and I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put it out there that if Ohio State loses one or two football games and they uh, are not going to contend for the national championship, don't be surprised if Urban Meyer doesn't then resign. Okay? I think the pressure on this particular act, on this entire university, is going to be too much for them to overcome because the reaction is going to, is going to far outweigh, you know, wins and losses because this was wrong. The university didn't handle this right. Urban Meyer didn't handle this right. And if Urban Meyer doesn't think he's wrong, He's still going to be arrogant to that fact. There's nothing he's going to be able to say to put the genie back in the bottle. You hear me? So this is the thing that you, we need to. I think you need to watch. I think the worst thing that, that if Ohio State did not want to fire this coach and they wanted this to go away, they should have extended his suspension. Okay, to where it was going to hurt and take that hit, knowing that you got you a good coach. But by doing this. And, 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 and adding insult to injury and saying, oh, but you can coach the last two games, especially the one against TCU, that's going to impact that entire football program from the left, that's from the president all the way down to the water boy. They should have never done that. They just, they just killed themselves with that, in my opinion. And the crazy thing about this is if, if the accounts are true, the president tried to do the right thing. In he the did. context of this. So this, this is the crazy thing about it, and, and people getting to understand, particularly in these public institutions, the role that these board of governors and these other folks play politically, especially when you have the governor coming out, like, I'm trying to, I want to support urban. Like, it's a different context of pressure when you are a chancellor at one of these major land-grant institutions. He wanted to try to do all the right things, and even in the face of that, He's somewhat See, he knew. Okay, he knew. Okay, I, I gotta give. I gotta give. It's hard for me to do. I gotta give the president of Ohio State credit. He the only one that, that that had the integrity to know that. Listen, you just can't go back out on the field. Okay, you just can't go back out on the field. That's what the big hangup was. He knew that this was too egregious. If we don't give you some sort of punitive uh, punishment to this. That that this is going this is going to reflect on this entire university, and I cannot allow that. The regents wanted him to have time served. That's what the report said. That his administrative leave they wanted to be time served, and then back to business as usual. You're right. It's a political ploy. It's it's, it's a political it's a political play. This one is going to backfire because you're still dealing with with uh, 18 to 23 year olds, okay? That you have now you see the game. put right in the crosshairs. You see the game. Yeah. Huh? 
You put you put Biggest them right in the crosshairs of this controversy. Okay? And you're asking these young men to focus on football at the same time, uh, knowing that what was going on is wrong. And people are going to say, well, if that was your mother, well, if that was your sister, how would you feel? Would you want somebody covering it up? And that's going to, and, and these young men got to look at Urban Meyer now, and I'm telling you, this is a different animal, okay, because there ain't no, uh, you know, there's no controversy as to what happened. The controversy was how it was handled, and that's different. And that's the, that's the problem. When you understand the context where some of these young men come from, some of these young men have witnessed this in their homes around exactly. them. This deeply impacts them. And so, you know, if you have not been around uh, some of these environments and really talked to some of these, these young men who are incredible and where they had to come from to even get there, situations they came out of, Issues like this really impact them, and they really view this on the neck because they've watched it. They've seen it in their own environments. And so part of why they, they, they really bought into his message was because of when he talks about that leadership development and the role that he talks about for women. Like that is a recruiting thing for some of these young men, the, the fact that he places that value on it. If you look at the percentage of, of some of those cats who come from single-parent homes, that are headed by women in the households, some that part of that message matters to them. And then when they find out this, this is just another hustle, it's impactful, man. And I, I think more of the people from the outside don't understand that when you're selling goods, you ain't really, this ain't really what it is. That affects how these kids come into that environment. And they realize, okay, this is straight transactional. Like you were right. doing this for me. I'm just going to listen to this, you know, rah-rah speech you're going to give. I'm going to go out here and play. I'm, I'm going to play because I'm going to play because I want to go to the league, and I know a lot of eyes are going to be on our team, but I ain't really feeling this. And, you know, once I get out of here, I'm out of here. Like, you, you, they got to know, people have to understand that those dynamics exist in these spaces. And, I, you know, I know people on the ground at, at OSU. So, you know, I, I, I get some stuff on, on what's happening. And there's a lot of great people on the ground outside these programs working with these young men who are sick face coming. And so – um, this is going to, like, you, I think you're right. This is this is going to fracture in ways that people don't understand. Um, they don't. I love, I was going to try and reach out to Maurice Corrette, who's been on with us in our live. At some point, I would love to get him in and kind of get his perspective because he, he knows how this machine works behind the scenes because it worked on him. Like, they pushed right. him out. And, and it's, Ohio State is the one program that operates as close to the SEC programs as anybody. The one thing I've always admired about Ohio State is that even though they do that, they have a lot of intercollegiate athletic sports. Like, they're not like some of these other programs that only have 14. You know, uh, they have, like, they'll have, like, whatever, 30-something. And so you admire that they're able to do this at an elite level and still provide this, this broad-based intercollegiate athletic experience. But this one is not a good thing. And I saw this kind of stuff coming from what I was hearing from on the road, on the, on the ground, on how, how he was trying to run the program on campus. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this thing rolls. We'll keep an eye on it uh, as we go. And, you know, Hank and I will bring that back uh, to you. As we close out, I'm going to drop the mic with this. You know, um, we, we love the fact that you all are all with us. These are the issues that we're going to be bringing to the forefront a little bit more. Um, 
because we realize that, and people have found out that sports is a space intersection for larger issues in society. We've seen it all over. We've seen it in basketball. We've seen uh, how these athletes are in, are engaging in these larger conversations. Um, and you know, like like some of the uh, the folks who have been out there, we're going to continue to be part of this discussion. And uh, we we love the fact that you are with us. And uh, we hope that you keep on this ride with us. And until next time, uh, this is RG1 Mike with Devon and Hank. Take care. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.